For some of you, it's your first time. For others, it is not. But for today, I would like to welcome you all to Epic Realms. and enemies, heroes and villains, welcome to Epic Realms. Today's guest is an artist and writer. He's had his name on so many known comic books, including Ghostbusters, Transformers, Kiss, Spider-Man, Red Sonja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so many more. Please welcome today's guest, Eric Burnham, to Epic Realms. How are you doing? Doing, doing, uh, doing pretty good, you know, all things considered. How about you? I'm I'm doing great. I'm I'm very excited because I am a big fan of a lot of the products, uh, a lot of the um the 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 rights, the the identity, the what is it called, the the license licenses. That's the word. You got it. <laughs> there uh, it is. I, I'm a big fan of all, a lot of the licenses that you've worked on for a very yeah. long time, and uh, and I so I was like I reached out and I was like I got to have you on the show. I want to talk about this because I'm you know I'm I'm an old school comic book fan. I used to collect comic books up the yin yang uh, mm. <laughs> until they got a little bit too expensive for me now i only collect a few so mm -hmm. uh, were you were you a fan of comic books growing up is that kind of how you got into this oh 100 uh comics were always around i mean my dad collected comics before i was born so there was a little you know stack for me when i when you know to, to look through from go uh my grandpa had comics for uh, when the grandkids came over they were just always kind of around. And of course, you know, gas stations and newsstands and, and drugstores and what have you. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I, I've told this story before and, and, you know, I'm just rolling into it again. The thing that kind of imprinted me on comics is around uh, five years old, our house burnt down, we lost everything. And the first thing, the first possession that I got, my grandpa gave me one of his stash of comics, which was an Avengers annual. So, I mean, that thing... Um, I still have the tatters of this Avengers annual. And a few years ago, somebody uh, as a gift sent me a, a fresh copy, but um, it, it really kind of just stuck in my head, but I've always loved comics. Um, you know, when I was, when I was four, you know, before the fire, my mom said I wanted to either, I, I told her I wanted to either make comics or be a magician. One of the two. <laughs> and I, and, you know, I, I don't have any manual dexterity. It's, it's not happening with magic ever. So comics, it was. One might argue that you've made plenty of magic in comic books. Huh? Well, you know, hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> what one might argue, but it won't be Penn and Teller. <laughs> That's exactly true. What uh, what were some of the you know besides the Avengers? What are some of the other comics you grew up with that you really enjoyed? Oh boy, um, I was really everything I can get a hold of. But uh, the number one favorite uh, was always Spider Man. Okay, uh, that was that was it. Um, I clearly remember uh, having. Uh, a a reprint of the first Spider-Man story I read was a reprint uh, Marvel Tales of Spidey Strikes Back, which I think was amazing number nineteen. Uh, and I just I mean the Ditko art it was 
Spider-Man, it was Johnny Storm, it was the Sandman, it was the Enforcers. I just, I, I fell in love with the book and, and, and Spider-Man in general. I mean, it was smart alecky right (laughs) and i i was able to i was able to just you know get in touch and enjoy the tone even as you know as as a five-year-old so um yeah yeah it's 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 mostly been spider-man other things filtered in over the years but if it wasn't spider-man it was stuff of that similar tone so you know move into the 80s and justice league international would would have you know fit uh, fit that bill but um, yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I, I was always reading whatever I could get a hold of because outside of your gas stations and your uh, uh, drugstores and such, I didn't have a comic shop near me. So okay. it was always just a little tougher to catch up with stuff. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Totally. Did you go to school then for art? Like when you were in high school, were you like writing, drawing away or writing stories or? Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I did a lot. Uh, I did a lot of writing in high school. I, I was shockingly in an advanced art class for a couple of years, but um, yeah, my, my senior year, my, my art teacher was disappointed because I started doing more writing and slacking off on the art and he, he wasn't too proud of me for that. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, um, I gravitated to, yeah, to, to English, to art, to writing, to drawing, to, you know, those things that would later make comics a little bit easier. Um, you know, laying, laying out bo- the books, the production work. I was, I was in the school newspaper my junior, senior okay. year. So, I mean, there was, there was that stuff that made it easy. And I just, uh, you know, I liked, I like storytelling. I like, the stuff that comics can do and i i wanted to do uh, i wanted to uh, be a filmmaker is one of the things i wanted to do but it's a lot harder when you don't have anybody else who wants to do that with you a comic book however can be done one man band style right did you end up going to college for for any of that for anything that you i didn't no okay. no no so i mean i i nothing <laughs> Outside of those, the, the art classes and such in high school, nothing that I have learned has, has uh, contributed to comics. So how did you end up, because obviously like stuff that you learn in, in high school mm-hmm. is, you know, comic book format is a little bit different way of looking at art, you know, than what they teach in schools. They don't necessarily like, okay, this is how you lay out a panel. This is mm-hmm. how you set up your pages. Uh, this is how you, you know, format things. How did you learn that stuff? Just on the job one day or from uh... somebody else you met? I mean, I, how did I learn comics? You, you learn by doing. You see how the how the uh, the pacing works by reading, okay. um, and you see how the things work by by doing. I mean, in fifth sixth grade, I was you know folding the paper over and stapling it and just you know making comics from go. Okay. Uh, just you know to do something in my free time and you know trade them around with other kids who did similar things, and I I, I learned that way. The the art teacher I told you about. Um, was was a big comics guy and and gave me you know a few a few tips on on things that that he had observed in comics and and you know some books to look at uh but uh, but yeah no i mean for for better or for worse it's it's you know learned by osmosis okay cool do you still read comic books today i do uh not as much but not because i'm not interested but more because <laughs> As time. soon as you get into comics, yeah, your time gets eaten up quick. And also you 
get to be friends with a lot of other folks in comics and you know your your list just grows with every project that they do with stuff you want to read to support uh the people you know so yeah no i i still read comics but i don't read any book regularly okay. again not because i don't want to just because you know i i have so many that i uh, that i need to catch up with by, by folks that i know and also as, as I said, I, I don't live anywhere near a comic shop, so that yeah. makes it a little bit harder. I forget something is coming out, even even though I could get it digitally. Does it ever feel like work when you pick one up? Be like, oh, I'm looking at a comic, or is it like completely separate? It feels like work if it's something that I have to research. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, if, if you know, here here's something. Maybe I maybe I've got uh, maybe I've got a uh, a pitch offered to me, and I'm not as big a fan of the characters maybe when i have to figure out a way to be a fan of the character or at least learn a bunch about them and i mean you know that that kind of thing's happened it's, it's something that that wasn't on my radar before and i have to learn what it is about the character that's interesting and it starts to feel like work but you know the, the more you get into it you find stuff to like and that's happened a couple of times with characters i didn't think i was going to enjoy and, and started as a slog and you know by the time i start writing something it's like okay no they're fun now right when you're writing your characters and doing things, how do you find their voice? Um, because when reading, they're still, you only get so much to like get across their attitude or their emphasis or how they feel. And, uh -huh. you know, I, I have read some of the Ghostbuster ones and like a Peter Venkman comes off a certain way when you're writing him. Like, uh -huh. so how do you, how do you capture the character vibe that you're going for? Do you, do you have anything about that that you do that might be stand out? Um, it's going to sound egocentric, but that is like possibly the, the one innate talent that I bring to this is the okay. voices are very clear in my head. I can hear the stuff clearly. Uh, with stuff like Ghostbusters, it's a lot easier because they're real people. Their voices, their the cadence of their speech is something that I can listen to at any time, whether it's from the movies that they were in or interviews or anything like that. Right. That's a lot easier. Uh, something else uh a comic book character that is well established but does not come from uh from movies or tv that's a little bit harder right. <laughs> but but for the most part the 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 stuff has been established uh the voice has been established so you know if you read enough uh to to uh figure out the same cadence works the same way as watching a bunch of tv at least you know so far it has <laughs> yeah right uh and if it's something completely new which has happened a time or two then i just i i look to cast the character uh you okay. know an actor or a friend or somebody whose voice that i know and i can pull up in my head to uh to bring a cadence to the character that had that doesn't have one yet so um yeah no it's just being able to hear the voices in my head very clearly that's that's what it boils down to and again i know i know just how egocentric that can sound but i don't think it sounds yeah, egocentric you know that's uh, that's what i do <laughs> you know that goes back to we've talked about on other shows where people talk about visualizing things being able to close their eyes and visualize what they see with their eyes closed and some people can't do that like mm -hmm. they know what an apple is but they can't just close their eyes and go oh there's an apple it's red mm -hmm. oh let's change it to orange and i think hearing is the same way like yeah. some people can close their eyes and if they want they can hear a voice that you know we don't want to talk about hearing voices but you know what i mean yeah, yeah. You close your eyes and you can hear somebody's voice saying something. You can put words to their voice. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that's not something anyone, everyone can do, but some people can do it. 
I some mean, people I can have cross their eyes. Some people can raise one eyebrow. You can visualize I, the voice. Exactly. I have I have a, a good friend. He's a, he's an artist, and he finds it weird that people can think in words because he thinks everything in images. Mm-hmm. And so he just he it 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 weirds him out that people can visualize words or or you know sounds i guess uh, of that nature in their head uh so you know i mean it's yeah, everybody's got something different yeah i'm totally visualized pictures and sounds when i'm thinking about stuff i'm hearing the words in my head mm-hmm. talking yeah <laughs> I, conversations like this is how this conversation is gonna go it's it's all sounds i mean i i can visualize images to a degree but sounds is really what goes on in my head i mean i've got music the, the songs like uh, you know turning the radio dial that's what my the inside of my head is like it's allowed <laughs> but uh you know it's it's at least interesting i completely hear you on that it's totally mm-hmm. uh you've worked on all kinds of works we talked about ghostbusters transformers you had an a-team comic ninja turtles gi joe uh what is it with you and iconic imagery from the 80s is there is there a tie in there is it like specific or does it just happen to happen that way it, it happened to happen that way. It's pure luck, uh, good fortune, and uh, stuff that I enjoy just coming, uh, being being in the right place at the right time uh, when that stuff was was coming my way. I mean, uh, the A-Team thing was they had the movie coming out in June, and uh, the October before the movie came out, I was asked if I could write a couple of one-shots because they had to have everything done and in print, excuse me, in trade before the movie came out, which right. means they had to hustle. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, he's my editor. My friend Tom was like, you write fast. Do you like the 18? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should ask. I love the 18. He goes, yeah, you want to do this? Sure. Um, and, and a lot of my projects have kind of been that way. Some, I, I, I get an email asking if I'm interested in something and if I want to pitch for it. And, um, you know, uh, nothing has come back where I've said, "Oh no, uh, it's all been stuff." It's all been stuff I've been interested in. So, you know, not when it continues. Did you happen to get any advent? Like, here's an advanced copy of the movie, so you can get an idea of anything, or here's some still mm. images, no. or no, sound they, clips, they, or anything. They they gave they gave a couple of uh, notes in in that you know here's here's where something should start, or here's a little brief sketch of information about the way the character is going to be in the movie. Okay. Uh, the differences from the TV show, I should say, but for the most part, I was just writing the TV show because we, yeah, we didn't get to see the movie until it came out. Right. What did you think of the movie versus, I mean, Oh, I, I had a blast. I thought it was a lot of fun. I was just bummed out that it didn't do better and it didn't do better because they released a fun action movie when it was world cup time. <laughs> Uh, the audience was all watching watching football watching soccer so yeah i i i agree with you 110 percent that mm-hmm. it's still to this day i reference that movie quite a bit that's like <laughs> a, and i love the series too but that, that movie oh yeah is... well i mean they flew a tank it's it's great stuff it's just <laughs> just wacky stuff and you know i it's just it's it's just a big silly action fantasy and and i love it for it there's not a day that I don't tell my wife, hey, we should have some quesadillas. <laughs> she doesn't get the reference. <laughs> oh, no. I'm about uh, to watch that again. It's been a while. You're right. So let's talk about Ghostbusters, because how can we not talk about Ghostbusters, right? Sure. Uh, it's one of your biggest, biggest uh, titles that you work with. Mm-hmm. 
how do they do they approach you or did they approach you or did you approach them to do ghostbusters like how did that how did that come about originally okay um <clears throat> let's see the the way it worked was i knew that idw had the license for ghostbusters mm-hmm and uh, they did a couple of miniseries. And then I found out that my friend Tom was taking over the, the editing. So I immediately emailed him and said, Tom, I really want to pitch something. I'd love to do a Ghostbusters thing. It'd be great. He says, well, right now, we've got the next year figured out. We're doing one shots. They're coming out quarterly. They're, they're dealing with holidays. So we've got the next year figured out. But you could pitch something so we can get it pre-approved in case, you know, they decide that they want to do more Ghostbusters yeah. So I came up with something and um, they liked most of it. They told me, you know, you can't do this. You shouldn't do this. We don't want this. And I made the the changes. This series, by the way, or this mini series pitch, I cannibalized later for like two or three stories <laughs> <laughs> in the ongoing. But uh, yeah, no. So so I had that done and I just went back to doing what I was doing. Uh, Tom calls me uh, that January of like uh, six months after I put that pitch in, he says, hey, we're doing a crossover at IDW called Infestation. It's a non-crossover crossover. We're going to have, you know, connective tissue between Ghostbusters and, and, and Star Trek and all this stuff. They're not going to cross over with each other, but, you know, a character is going to go through all the books. Are you interested in doing Ghostbusters? I didn't let it. He, he didn't get to finish the question. I said yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I got 44 pages to play with Ghostbusters, and I thought that would be it. This is my 44 pages. I get to do Ghostbusters. So I had all the fun I could possibly have in those 44 pages. And it went over really well. Um, readers liked it. It got good reviews. Um, as soon as it hit the stands and got those good reviews, Tom asked if I wanted to pitch an ongoing. So I did. I wrote up like a year's worth of, of ideas and I, I sent it off. And um, Tom said, good. We're going to do the ongoing. We're going to call it ongoing, but nobody here thinks that it's going to go more than four issues. So, you know, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> um, ten years later, it's it it uh, it went it went for a good long time before it finally uh, before it finally stopped. We we did, uh, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm like twenty eight issues of the the ongoing series. And then we switched to a series of mini series. And just bunches of stuff, mostly 90% of it with the same uh, creative team. Uh, there was just a little bit where the artist Dan Schoening took a quick break. Um, and he was, you know, he, yeah, yeah. He, he took a quick break in the middle there for, for, his own, uh, for his own reasons and was still drawing stuff. He was drawing ahead, uh, but he, you know, he, he, he was supposed to take a break and he was still drawing ahead anyway on the next arc. But um, yeah, for the most part, it was uh, me, uh, Dan, and uh, Luis Antonio Delgado, the colorist, and we did just, we 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 did so much of it. We had so much fun. So, did you guys start off all together right away from issue the right at the beginning? We did, we did. Uh, issue number one, uh, ongoing volume number one, uh, the Man from the Mirror. That first story arc, we started from there, and we continued pretty much until the end of the Ghostbusters uh, Transformers crossover, which was the last, uh, the last miniseries we did at IDW. Did you know them beforehand? Or did no. you meet them from doing that? I, I met them from doing that. I didn't know them beforehand. Uh, Tom called me up and he asked um, if I had any idea of, of who I wanted to work with. Uh, he was initially going to offer it to Kyle, who drew the, the infestation, Kyle Hotz, or Hotz. You know, I never asked how his last name was pronounced. So somebody forgive me if I'm doing it wrong. On <laughs> we were talking days. about that before with pronunciations. Exactly. That? It's uh, but um, yeah, he 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 uh, 
didn't have room in his schedule for it. So Tom asked me who else I might want. Uh, I, I didn't have any names off the top of my head because I mean, I didn't really know anybody who I knew would be on time and professional yet. I mean, I just didn't know anybody period. Uh, so yeah. I had no suggestions. Uh, so he suggested, Dan asked me if I knew his work. I did not. He goes, but I, he goes, uh, but you know, he, he just did a short for us and I like his style. He can draw the characters so that they look like the characters, but not like the actors because likeness rights are a pain and we don't want right. to deal with that. <laughs> right. Um, and I said, okay, cool. Well, you know, whoever. And he, he got Dan and Dan and I, and Luis, we all synced very well. Um, Dan uh, brought so much to the book. Luis brought so much to the book. Dan would uh, became known for doing all kinds of Easter eggs, sometimes too many, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes too many, but, but it was always, it was always delightful. It was always a surprise. The only time I say too many is when it started to, Hey, wait a minute. No, this character looks like this character and this character shouldn't look like this character. It kind of distracts Dan. Why did you do that? Well, you know, um, it, the reason he did that stuff was he, he came from animation. So he having a character model was important to him. And sometimes that's where the that's where the Easter eggs came in. Okay. But uh, Luis just uh, you know knocked the colors out of the park. Dan knocked the pencils out of the park, and he added so much that I wouldn't have thought of to it. So it just yeah, the, the team gelled, and you know I I, I got to work with them again on uh, the GI Joe miniseries. I got to work with them on Godzilla, and hopefully I'll get to work with them on more things in the future. Can you explain to our audience because it's one thing coming from me. But how much, because they don't, a lot of people don't understand um, what it is as far as comic books go, the difference between like a colorist and an inkist and how much of a difference it makes, you know, uh, one inkist can mm -hmm. completely change what an art looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, uh, well, Dan, he, since he, he did come from animation, he doesn't do a lot of, uh, he doesn't leave a lot of room in there for, uh, for spot blacks for embellishment he does he does his line work and then Luis comes in and makes it pretty okay. <laughs> with with dan's input right. um but you're absolutely right uh if you take one inker and, and throw it on to uh to some some pencils it's going to look one way another link inker can look completely different the uh the stuff that i remember was uh was uh, years back i saw a daredevil story that frank miller drew and it was inked instead of by, uh, oh no, I just blanked on the name of the uh, the the guy who inked oh, no. uh, Miller on all those Daredevils, and his work was so good, and it's just absolutely gone from my brain, and I hate it when that happens. Uh, but he he was not inked by that wonderful inker. He was inked by Terry Austin, who's you know better known for you know, X Men, making right. over John Byrne, and Terry Austin is a fantastic inker, but. The art that they put together did not look like Miller or Austin. It, 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 you know, it looked so completely different that it was just kind of, it was not bad. It was still yeah. professional quality, but just look at it and go, something looks weird here and I can't really put it out, put right. it, figure it out. Um, uh, Klaus Janssen. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that would have bothered me all <laughs> night long, not being able to remember that. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, so it was just, it, 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 uh, it was it was a different style. It was a, it was a more polished, uh, slick style that didn't really work as well with with a uh, a gritty noir style story, which is what Miller was telling. So I mean that's that's an example right there. Or or um, Tom Palmer, the 
you know, recently passed Tom Palmer. My goodness, that man could make anybody look amazing. Right. <laughs> and, and who did he work with? He, he worked with, with Gene Colan and, and John Buscema. And their art was fantastic anyway. He, he transformed it into something even more beautiful. So, I mean, I just, yeah. yeah, it's. And I it's, think the same goes with coloring too. You know, oh gosh. coloring, coloring like 100%. the hues and the colors and the texture. Yeah, no, the, the, the palette, the rendering or lack of rendering, um, it can change the mood of a scene. It can change so much. And it is so important these days to have the, to have the right colors, to have the right, the right, well, it's always been important to have the right artists, but, uh, you know, I, I would argue now it's even more important to have a good colorist than it used to be because the printing is better. There's a lot of digital stuff and it needs to look pretty. And, yeah. you know, the colorists are up to the task these days. Uh, going back to Ghostbusters, you had a ton mm -hmm. of crossovers. How do those crossovers come about? You get a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle crossover, you get a Transformers crossover you just talked about. How do those, do they just say, hey, we want to do a crossover? The Turtles one came about because my editor, Tom Waltz, was also writing the Turtles ongoing. Okay. And I had done some work with the Ninja Turtles. Uh, not a ton at that time when we first started talking about it, but, uh, you know, I'd done the, the Splinter Micro Series and I'd done the Secret History of the Foot Clan with Matea Santalugo. And we were just, my first time at San Diego Comic-Con and my first time meeting Tom face-to-face and we were just sitting up late one night saying, you know, it would be fun. <laughs> it'd be fun to do a crossover series. And it'd, it'd be fun if it all counted in both ongoing series. And we were just doing this, this pie in the sky stuff uh, that it would be a blast to do. And this was 20, 2012. And Nickelodeon said, no, we're not interested in that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, took a couple of years. Uh, when we finally got permission to to do that crossover and it came out and it did really well, all of a sudden Nickelodeon was like, okay, well, you know, we see the we see the uh, possibilities with crossovers now. Let's let's do right. some more of those. <laughs> but um, no, it was it was it was just us two thinking that that would be fun, right. and we should we should try to do it, and it was fun. And and uh, our our only regret is we didn't get to do a third one. But uh, we, we got to do uh, the first uh, and crossover. We got to do two crossovers uh, and, and didn't get to do a properly uh, a third one. So that's that's a little bit of a bummer. But uh, the Transformers one came out because um, like Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles, uh, Transformers first year was 1984. Okay. So they were having an anniversary at the same time. And there was a Ecto-1 Transformer that Hasbro was going to do. Then there was a Transformer. They said, should we do a, a crossover story? To put this character in the comics. Okay. Of course we should. Let's do it. And and that became the the crossover with uh, with the Transformers. It was just us trying to figure out a way to bring in this Ecto One Transformer that um, that Hasbro was cooking up and 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 make it fit inside the the old Transformers universe. And I I remember distinctly a cover where it was like I think it was Optimus Prime and the Ghostbusters were on his shoulder like yes. shooting up. <laughs> that was great. I it, we we uh, I, I believe if I remember right that was used for the trade as well. It was it was, oh, it was a killer cover. I loved it. It was definitely definitely. What about you guys did some like I don't know I want to say inner inner universe like crossover where you had like mm -hmm. comic book characters meet the Ghostbuster the 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 real Ghostbusters or the. Uh, the one that came later with the with the the three the emo girl and the I, mm -hmm. and I don't remember any of their names. Oh yeah, but uh, the other cartoon that came out where Egon was kind of their mentor and sure. kind of did crossovers with all of those universes were those. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well the, the 
yeah, no, the, the Get Real crossover, <laughs> the one with the real <laughs> Ghostbusters. Uh, we were cooking that up in case we got another firm and final no on crossing over with the Ninja Turtles. Okay. Um, so we cooked that up and, and, and it was going to happen. And then we got a yes for the Ninja Turtles. So we just got, you know, to do a couple of crossovers. Uh, the Extreme Ghostbusters. That's uh, that, that Yeah, that started with, um, <clears throat> in, in the ongoing, we wanted to have uh, a protege for Ray, somebody working at his bookshop, somebody who could look stuff up and research for them. And it was just going to be an original character. And then um, Kristen Jones, who was doing backups uh, in the book at the time, said, no, no, it has to be Kylie. It needs to be Kylie. Okay, we'll make it Kylie. And uh, she just became a delight to write. I had not seen more than one episode of Extreme Ghostbusters at the time, just because uh, when it came out, I, I didn't have any reliable TV channels. Okay. I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Um, and, but, but, you know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd seen enough to know the type of character that she was. And she was a perfect foil for Ray. And she worked really well in the Ghostbusters. And the only downside with that was as soon as she came in, people started, the fans of the Extreme Ghostbusters said, we'll bring in the others. We need them now. No, you know, <laughs> don't want to overload it yet. She came, I mean, she came really soon. She came in the uh, second, the second story arc. Yeah, issue okay. four, I think. Oh, it's going to be issue five. So she she was in the book early. Um, eventually, we did get the, the rest of the Extreme Ghostbusters in there. Uh, the Extreme Ghostbusters proper, a different Kylie. And uh, the the entirety of the uh, that cast when we when we did uh, when we did the crossover with all the Ghostbusters that ever were. So, did you did you have a problem getting the you know permission or was that was Ghostbusters just it's all lumped in? You get permission about all of that. They they weren't sure at first whether it was going to be that way or everything was going to be separate. Um, but it, it, they they decided to to let us have to let us have everything uh, to let us have the twenty sixteen. Answer the call, Ghostbusters. The Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig, uh, them. Uh, you know, we 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 had them. We had all the ones that we created. We had the ones from the video games. We had the one from the cartoons. Uh, they decided that yeah, everything was everything was fair game. Uh, so you know, lucky us. It just allowed us to have a lot more fun. Did you get to play the video game? Are you a video game player? I, I am. I'm just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did have the. Uh, a copy of the PS3, uh, PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation 3 of the, yeah. of the Ghostbusters game. And I, uh, the, the save points were far and few between. And it was just, it was, it was frustrating. It was a little, it was a little hard for me with those save points so far and few between because I kept right. screwing up and I couldn't save it. And it just, you know, drove me up a tree. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not good enough. <laughs> but, uh, but other than that, the did you, did you get to finish the storyline? I did. I mean, that's what YouTube is for. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, you have some other, other, you know, we could talk all day long about some of your other mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but, but let's talk about Comic-Cons because we talked about them a little bit. You've gone to a handful of Comic-Cons. What is your experience uh, going to these? Do you, do you enjoy going to them? Do you get asked to do a lot of like speaking and, and, or, you know, getting tables, stuff <laughs> like that? Um. It's been up and down. Uh, I, I love going to conventions just for the fact that that's where I can see people who are interested in, in this stuff. Right. Uh, it's not super big in the uh, Brainerd Lakes area. <laughs> so, um, I mean, for the most part, uh, I, I had worked at another job before I got into comics. People saw me uh, on the streets. I was familiar from that job. And they said, hey, where are you working now? I said, oh, I'm writing. Oh, uh, Walmart's hiring. So, you know, you could, you could get a job there. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's the, the level of respect comics have around here. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like going to conventions. I like being on panels. The one thing that has tripped me up on panels over the years is the first show I went to, I heard, I was, I was in the audience for a panel and uh, there was a creator who was telling a lot of really great stories. Nobody wanted to interrupt this creator because the stories were great. Right. But they had a lot of stuff to do on the panel. So after, <laughs> after the panel, I heard somebody saying, I, I wanted to tell him to be quiet, but I didn't want him to stop talking ever. Uh, and I just got into my head that, oh no, uh, this thing is timed. There are other people up there. You don't want to eat up their time. You don't want to yeah. eat up the time for the panel. So, I mean, ever since it's just, I, I love public speaking, but I've always been uh, cagey on panels because I, I'm just, I'm, I'm hyper-conscious of taking up too much time. And I would be super embarrassed if that kind of talk was, was being had about me. I wish he would have shut up. Right. Um, whether or not it ever happens, it doesn't matter. But you want them to happens. say that, but they all, you also want them to say, but I didn't want to because his stories yeah. are so awesome and engaging. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just, but it's it's in my head. I'm only going to hear the one part. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's always been a little tricky, you know, uh, getting past that mental block. But I do, and I enjoy, I enjoy being on panels and, and, and talking. I enjoy signings. I enjoy, uh, all of that stuff. I, I don't enjoy, <laughs> I don't enjoy the retail aspect of tables as much. Um, it's great when it's great when there's a lot of sales, but I, it's, uh, it's my least favorite part of, of the, the convention so, sometimes, uh, partly because I, I like to get up and walk around yeah. and being rooted to a table. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not bad. It's just my least favorite of the yeah, three yeah. things. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I get that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, but yeah, I, I like I like uh, I like seeing the friends I've made. I like seeing readers. I like you know finding stuff to buy that I wouldn't know existed. Um, it's all good. I I enjoy uh, I enjoy getting to uh, to see different places. I enjoy going to New York and San Diego. Like you know, it's it's fantastic. So I mean, it's all wins. You get to meet any of the people that were comic book people creators that you grew up on, and you're like, oh my gosh, and and did you fanboy or did you like? Uh I, I'm professional I mean, here. I'm, you know, I, <laughs> I, um, well, you're from Minnesota. You know how it can be. I will apologize for somebody coming up to me and asking me a question. I'll, I'll say, I'm sorry to bug you. <laughs> I asked you, but yeah, you know, I mean, that's just how I am. So I, it doesn't matter who they are. I'm going to be a little bit, uh, standoffish is not the right word. Uh, reticent, uh, shy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, I was only uh, I was only uh, starstruck. Uh, let's see, I was, I was star yeah, starstruck uh, twice, and um, one of them was uh, Brian Stelfreeze, and the other was uh, John Romita Jr., uh, who you know just at, at two different conventions that, that I was just like, no, no, I, I don't want to bother. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, no, I've I've met I've met a lot of people that I didn't think I would ever meet, and. All of them are, are just fantastic, lovely, wonderful people. And, uh, you know, so I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to conventions for that experience. If you were to suggest a convention to someone, what, uh, what, what convention, somebody that's never been, what's a mm -hmm. convention that you suggest they go to? I would suggest, um, and why? <laughs> yeah. 
I, oh boy, it's, it's, it's tough to say. I have such different way of looking at conventions. I would suggest first, what kind of convention experience are they looking for? Are they looking for something with a lot of people, with photo ops, with celebrities, with, you know, with the big publishers? In that case, I would say Chicago, San Diego, New York, okay. Seattle. Uh, those are all good places. Um, if they want, if they want something uh, a little smaller, Heroes Con is fantastic in uh, in Charlotte. And uh, you know, I mean, and and I mean, I'm forgetting there there are so many there are so many more Fan Expo and and the the Read Pop shows. There's just uh, there's tons, but for my money, I always enjoy San Diego, and that's partly because I know so many people in the area, right. and partly because I enjoy when the convention gets to be a little bit too much to just go outside and stare at the ocean for 10 minutes. Uh, (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, for, for big shows, um, San Diego, Chicago, and and New York are all three just worth it, not just for the convention, but also for the cities around them. And if you, if you want something smaller and and more comics focused, absolutely. Heroes con is a must go. There's a lot of convention crossover too. You get crossovers from, you know, conventions where there's comic books, but then you get like mm-hmm. people in the costumes and you get the, the mm-hmm. video game conventions and the board game conventions. Mm-hmm. And you got to work on the, some cryptozoic board games as well. Right. Yeah. No, what happened there was um, I was just doing a little bit of flavor, a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a short uh, prose story to go in the instruction manual. It, you know, that's hardly working on the game. And that's just because Dan and Luis were doing spot art. Okay. And they said, well, hey, you know, we've got them. Why don't we, you know, have a have a story for the game? And 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 so I got to do that for the the two uh, Cryptozoic board games, which was a lot of fun. The only thing that was a bummer, I've got both of those games and I've got nobody to play them with. <laughs> oh. uh, I, I, I've had them. If I'm years. up there, we'll play. There we go. <laughs> if I'm I, in I, that I, area, I'll call you. <laughs> I, I'd, uh, it, it would be a blast to play them. And I, I know that they're fun. I just... I, I didn't get a chance. I got nobody to play with. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's my only downside there, but it was a uh, cryptozoic, great people. And uh, it was a lot of fun to write. It was prose. It was a different muscle flex. It was, it was fun to do. Is there anything else that really stands out a lesser known, say a lesser known comic or a, a, a game or anything else that you worked on that many people might not know that you worked on, or maybe didn't do as well as you had hoped it did that you were like really proud of. Hmm. Well, Let's see. The one that comes to mind uh, was one of the first things I did, which was called Nanobore. Uh, it was a tie into a toy, uh, like a Pokemon-like toy, a little digital, you know, okay. uh, that came and went over when Christmas season it vanished. So uh, that being the case, the comic didn't go back into print. I think it's on Comixology, but I think only three out of four parts are for some reason. Okay. Um, anyway, I mean, that was a lot of fun because it was my first miniseries. Uh, and I learned a lot on it and I had a lot of fun on it. And, you know, so, so that was good. I, um, I just did a mini series for mad cave called, uh, potions Inc. Okay. Which was very different. It was, uh, it's family, family, yeah, family, friendly fantasy. Um, some kids from a magical land find themselves in Seattle, Okay. And they're 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 tracking down a a lost uh, a lost like I mean you know it's a standard story but it was a lot yeah. of fun to do. Um, trying to think what else what else have I done? I've done yeah I mean there there've been there've been anthologies uh, that I've that I've had some fun with uh, that I've done stories in that that 
folks may or may not be able to find anymore. There was one uh, for the um, Hero Initiative Help. It was a one-page story that I wrote and drew. That was uh, okay. it was it was kind of a nice. You know, kind of a nice thing to do that again. And I, the, I started out with anthologies, the uh, Shooting Star Comics anthology, which are all of them completely impossible to find, which is okay. <laughs> because, because I, you know, I mean, they were, my, my work was rough in them, but uh, it was it was a good learning experience. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's something else, but, you know, every time you put somebody on the spot, something's going right, to forget. Right, right, It's like a uh, brain fart the moment it happens. And, and, yeah, a half an hour after we hang up, I'm going to go, I, should have said this. <laughs> Is it, yeah. They call that analysis paralysis, right? There we go. Yeah, option paralysis, analysis paralysis. Yeah, I just can't, uh, you know, brain brain freeze, uh, all that fun. But um, no, I, I mean, it's I've, I've I'm surprised. I, I, I'm realizing just how much I've done in the last. It's been 20 years since my first comic story, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which uh, those those original uh, creator owned things, uh, the shooting star ones I mentioned. The first one came out in 2002. And there's, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do so much. It's, it's great, but you know, to, to keep me humble, uh, pretty much everything I've done, people, somebody is, is not aware of. We, uh, we were at a Ghostbusters convention uh, on the Sony lot in 2019. Okay. And IDW sold out of books because people were like, there are comics. Yeah, there, there, there are comics. Um, did you not know? We had no idea. Well, here, buy them, and they did. So that was, uh, it was nice, and it was, it was, kind of, you know, uh, humbling at the same time. Can you tell us a little bit about your process for writing and outlining a story, mm-hmm. and, and how you how you go about doing that? Yeah, a um, couple of different ways. Uh, okay. Sometimes I will start out with uh you know a, a list of the pages one two three four five six seven yeah. break it down in because you know, you're limited to stuff. numbers right you, right yes. like and, so many and, pages and, so you have to and everything it. and everything is a splash and you know i mean i like to have uh, to to take a, a page turn into account so I'll, I'll look at two and three in a chunk and four and five in a chunk and so on and i'll write down what needs to happen on those pages and then i'll just you know i'll go i'll start page one uh, panel one and, and go. Um, other times I will uh, start sketching, doodling it out uh, and, and seeing, you know, how, how the, and, and I will transcribe what I've drawn to the script and, and uh, you know, so that, that can get me uh, a little bit more detailed. Um, other times I just start writing the dialogue and super small uh, bits of, of stage direction uh, in, in, in blocks that I later format into something that resembles a script. Okay. I've done all three ways. And uh, it's probably bad that I keep so much of it in my head while I'm working, because uh, the danger of forgetting something important is always there. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, those are the those are the three ways that I go. And uh, I mean, one of the ways that I that I've worked out a script I have up on my website, I, you know, I wrote a silly little, uh, you know, my process post that I put up for people to see how I, I go from general idea to finished script. So, right. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit. There's, so we're talking about the writing. Mm-hmm. So you're writing Ghostbusters and ultimately Ghostbusters is a comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, you know, the, the comedic timing and the, the way it comes across is a little bit different than say 
you know, Michelangelo, Raphael's interactions in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, that's the, the comedy is not the same kind of comedy all the time, or maybe mm-hmm. you're writing something that's gritty. How do you get that feeling across in, in text so that, you know, it comes across when you're writing it? Is it different or is it just like, I'm just going to put it out there? Um, that's really, it really comes back down to character voice. Okay. Um, if you have the right voice in mind for the character it's reactions it's if you put uh if you put a a 12 story man on the street and the ghostbusters are facing it well they're going to have one reaction the avengers are facing it they're going to have another reaction right uh you know red sonia is facing it she'll have a third completely different reaction so right right knowing knowing the characters knowing their voices um the reaction lends to, I mean, you know, the voices lead to the reaction, lead to the comedy or the, you know, seriousness or, or even the horror. It, it, uh, it, it all comes back to the characters. Okay, cool. Has your process changed over the years from when you first started to now? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, it used to be, well, like everything, it used to be harder. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I've, I've refined over the ways from, from the way uh, I have the script looking to, I mean, the way I have the script looking sounds arbitrary, but it makes sure that I don't overload a page with too much text or too many panels. Uh, I, I write a script so that one page of comic fits on one page of script. And right. if you're writing a really detailed panel description to have a lot of stuff in there, that doesn't leave you a whole lot of space for a dialogue. Right. If you're writing a lot of dialogue, it doesn't really do you a whole lot of space for background. So, I mean, that's that's how it balances out. Um, so that was a that was a lesson learned to you know to not do not do too much. Um, yeah, no, it really it really has come down to 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 practice and 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 things becoming easier. So, I mean, that's that's how it's changed. I I don't I don't worry as much over some things uh, that I used to. I, it 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 had. Uh, when I started, it had me trying to make the script perfect from go. Right. So I would be stuck on page two, trying to make sure that it was perfect. And meanwhile, my deadline was getting eaten up. I don't do that as much anymore. I'll write the whole thing. Page two still sucks. But once I hit page 20, I go back and fix page two, there which is go. the smart way of doing it. And it's the logical way of doing it. But it's the way I, for some reason, didn't think about doing <laughs> until a few <laughs> years into the thing, you know? Did you, uh, do they seem to give you, you know, or idw or any place that you you've been doing it for a while do you seem to get a little bit more freedom now that they've you know they've got a total feel for you uh i've been pretty lucky i've i've always gotten a lot of leeway but that comes from me trying to understand where the rules were you know the edges of the sandbox when you know what you can't do and you don't do what you can't do it feels like you can get away with anything yeah (laughs) um and 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 really, that's been it. I've had uh, I've I built up trust with folks by just not trying to to break the rules, to to bend them sometimes. And the more trust that you build up, the more that they allow you to do, the less rules that you're forced to live by. And uh, so you know, it just it works that way. Yeah, I, I it just you know follow the rules until you're allowed to not follow the rules. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I uh, it, it it did start with Ghostbusters, and they were very uh, Ghost Corps was was very lenient on me. They they once once they decided that they 
liked what they saw and that uh, I knew how to deliver something that worked for the brand, the, the, the notes generally stopped unless I, I did something that I absolutely couldn't do, like you cannot use this character or uh, we don't want you to go this way for this particular reason or, you know, what have you. But, right. uh, but yeah. What are you working on now? Oh gosh. Um, what do you got coming out? What's, what's coming out soon? And what are you coming working out? on coming out down the road? I, I, I'm working on a couple of things that haven't been announced. Uh, so I can't mention them. I, uh, the, uh, I'm in the middle of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Saturday Morning Adventures, which is based on the, the old 87 cartoon. So okay. the, the tone and, and humor of that, uh, that's, uh, that's on the stands now. Uh, Potions Inc., which I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. the, the trade, the collection of, the, of the, the miniseries is about to come out here next month. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, the, the last issue of Army of Darkness versus Reanimator, five-issue miniseries. The last issue is coming out here in a couple of days on uh, November 30th. Yeah. Now there's, and... now there's some humor that you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get just right. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. That, that one, uh, you know, luckily, luckily Bruce Campbell and, uh, and uh, Jeffrey Combs have, have very, <laughs> very distinct voices. You can close easily. your eyes and hear their comments. So easily. <laughs> uh, and, and uh, uh, another one at Dynamite, Lady Hell, uh, the, the fourth issue is about to hit. So uh, the, the end of that miniseries, those are the things that I've got right now. Um, other things that just came out, I, I did a Bill and Ted one shot with death. Um and uh, the the uh, GI Joe Saturday Morning Adventures, the trade just came out on that as well. So I mean, it's it's been it's been a super busy year. That's awesome. That mm -hmm. is so awesome. Your tell us about your Patreon. You've got a Patreon page. Sure. Yeah, I <laughs> I'm still trying to. I've been doing it for two years. I'm still trying to figure out uh, the the stuff that I want to do with it. Okay. But right now it is um, it's split between two comic strips a week okay uh just terrible puns very silly uh some some of the you know some of my my uh, unfiltered I, that that sounds more r-rated than i mean uh, <laughs> uh I, I i let the puns go without worrying uh how bad they are we'll, we'll put it that way it's not it's you know there's there's it's not r-rated it's just uh, unfiltered puns um and some of them, I mean, just uh, how bad are they? I, I have one where it's uh, at a comic convention. We have cosplayers. We have Darth Vader. And he sees B.A., Murdoch, and Hannibal. And he says to them, I find your lack of face disturbing. So this is the kind of terrible stuff that I have, that I have in these books. Now. I'm glad that that went over well. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh it's yes it's so so ridiculous terrible stuff and and uh I, I do a couple of those a week i uh i do and then i mean you know and then i do other writing bits and bobs scripts that aren't going to go anywhere or uh you know longer form reviews that i'll put up somewhere later i do process stuff when i'm allowed to it's tough to do process stuff when it's uh, licensed because right you know they don't want you to to show too much behind the curtain on those yeah. things I've done uh, I've done short comic stories that I put on there. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a little bit of everything. I, I I'm I'm trying to find what people are most interested in, but until then, it's just whatever I think of. 
uh, writing to put up yeah. and those two comic strips a week. But, you know, it's been a lot of fun and it's been relatively consistent. It's not as it's not as popular as some Patreons, but it's right. not as unpopular as some Patreons. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit something. And if you're having fun with it, then it oh, doesn't yeah. matter. No, I mean, right? That's all that matters. I mean, is you're having fun with it. It, it gives me an excuse. Uh, it gives me a, a deadline to do something that is just me which I do appreciate uh, very much. So, yeah. Awesome. That's Patreon backslash Eric Burnham is the, uh, or Patreon.com slash Eric Burnham. Mm -hmm. uh, your website is a Burnham a mania, not two M's, just one M Burnham. And then mania B U R N H A M A N I A.com. Mm -hmm. uh, Facebook, Eric Burnham fan page. And then pretty much every other social media you're on as Eric Burnham, uh, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, DeviantArt, Tumblr, Mastodon, all of them. Well, the, the, the Tumblr, not anymore. Not anymore? <laughs> I, 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 a few years back, I, 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 got, I, I left the Tumblr behind for some reason or another, and somebody snapped up Eric Burnham. So now, oh, man. So that was that. I was, was just going you know, through your LinkedIn, your, your, your Linktree page. And it, oh, my goodness. I, I, hope oh, I, I hope I have it fixed. I think I have Eric Burnham Comics on Tumblr, but we'll see. Maybe I need to fix that. Well, maybe, maybe I misread it. Maybe I looked at oh. one of the other ones. But. Well, now well, we know yeah. now now yes. we know what it is so there it's we go fixed. there we go <laughs> all right people listening to the show december 12th we're going to be having wrestling legend wild bill Irwin, aka the goon he's worked for wwe wcw ecw awa wccw the list goes on and on we're going to talk about his territory days stories of the past and everything that goes with that. So just join us December 12th. You can ask your own questions. The podcast will be available for those that listen to the podcast on December 13th, January 9th. We're going to get Danny Afretz, uh, and I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, uh, but she's from sovereignty games. Uh, we've talked about sovereignty in the past. They are online board game company. So a lot of companies do their board games digitally through them. She's going to be joining us. We're going to talk about tabletop games in the digital era, tabletop games not in the digital era just tabletop games uh so that's going to be coming up the podcast for that will be available on the 10th but again the live stream january 9th so you can ask your own questions and of course january 23rd we're going to have hip-hop star nerdy is going to be joining us we're going to talk about his journey in life to the hip-hop world uh opening for Ludacris and his non-profit organization non-profit organization justice frontline aid so that's going to be january 23rd so Everybody that is listening, make sure to click all of the buttons, rate, review, sub subscribe, follow, depending on what platform you're on. Uh, make sure to write those reviews. Give us a five-star review because it really matters. It affects where we are located when people find us. It helps our guests, such as Eric Burnham, and people find this show. So thank you so much for doing all of that. We appreciate it. People watching the live stream, please stick around. We're going to get to your Q&As. Throw your questions in the chat, and we will get to them. So... For Eric Burnham, I am Nick, and I want to say thank you for listening to Epic Realms. Well, there you are. I hope you enjoyed yourselves. And I do hope that you come back and join us again for Epic Realms. Epic Realms.